The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Uh, what's up, guys? We are back. Super Bowl week. 17 weeks up, 17 down, and we have two teams left, both of whom are quite fortunate to be there. Anyway, we'll get to that later on in the show. A uh, lot to get to. Every time we take a week off, this is what happens. First and foremost, follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, and let's just get into it. First of all, the Olympics have started. I don't know if you are aware of this, but they have. Absolutely zero buzz. I mean, not, not, no, I mean, not a little buzz, not really disappointing buzz, zero. And quite honestly, deservedly so. You got athletes there that are just being served inedible meals. I think the, I think the animals on Tiger King got fed better than these people. These are world class athletes. They have awful accommodations. Every country seems to be complaining. You've got reporters being taken off the air live when they're doing remotes. You've got athletes taken to isolation sites that their teams aren't even aware of. And then you've got all the propaganda surrounding this stuff. ESPN's got their their people right in line. Disney got their people in line a long time ago. And around the horn the other day, it's a show I used to watch. You have four sports writers around the country, you know, a host. He goes back and forth. J.A. Adande makes an absolute fool of himself. Okay? I don't mean he had an opinion I don't agree with. I mean he made a complete ass out of himself. Talking about how we shouldn't be talking about human rights in China when we have a voting rights issue here in the United States, which besides being complete horseshit is totally irrelevant. You're comparing people who are basically being forced to engage in slave labor to people having to show an ID to vote in the United States. That's what you're talking about now? People can't vote on Sunday in the United States, and that's the same thing as being taken to a prison camp for speaking out, uh, out against the government? That's the same thing to you? No, it's not. You're a liar. You're just a buffoon. But that, that statement wasn't written by J.A. Adande or any of his producers. It was written by China. Clearly. I mean, a, a thousand percent it was written by China. And that's an awful thing. And you know what? It's not just what goes on with the Uyghurs. It's not just Nike and everything else. It's been a problem there for a while in Beijing. I mean, how about the Hong Kong protests? Remember Daryl Morey being told to shut up, basically, by, by LeBron James? You're going to mess everything up. You're going to get people in trouble. You're going to endanger us. You're going to cost us money. Because he's speaking out in support of people who are protesting. Do you understand what they do to protesters over there? They Basically, they, the, the protesters disappear. If they take you into custody, you disappear, and then you turn up in a river. And they do that to the women, too. They torture them. They question them. And you know what they do? They dump them. That's how, the, that's how they treat people over there. That's not some exaggeration. That's just what they do. But no, no problem. Let's just have the world's biggest sporting event there. It's no problem. No big deal, guys. Savannah Guthrie basically reading Chinese propaganda during the opening ceremonies about how defiant the guy running China is. Well, look, he had someone from the Uyghurs light the torch. That makes everything better, Savannah. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Pathetic. I mean, they never should have been allowed to host this stuff to begin with. That's it. This is a country where famous people disappear. Movie stars disappear. Billionaires disappear. Imagine if, like, Elon Musk just vanished for a few weeks, then came back saying totally nice things about the government. That goes on over there. Or if Simone Biles pointed the finger at Larry Nasser and accused him of sexual assault, which obviously he's done, and then a month later claims, oh, I was just playing. That never happened. That kind of stuff actually goes on over there. So to me, these ratings will be some of the worst ever, and, and I'm cheating a little bit now because some of the ratings have come in from the opening ceremonies, and they were terrible. But this, I, I listen. The ratings for the whole thing are going to be awful because people don't want to be involved in this. It's on at the wrong time. You have no NHL players in the hockey, so those, th those things don't help. But people have had it with this country, not to mention all the COVID stuff. And COVID apparently is running rampant around the athletes there, too. Imagine that. Imagine people catching COVID in China. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Give me a break. So to me, you know what? It's time that somebody took on the Olympics with their own event. 
Maybe not all the sports, but just some of the biggest ones. Curling, too, because curling's have gotten very big. Don't leave curling out. But right around the same time, I mean, think about it. If you offer some big prize money, you watch where those athletes go. You think if a gold medal in curling was worth like $1.5 million, those people wouldn't drop the Olympics like Kim Kardashian dropped Kanye? Give me a break. They'd all be there. This is the lamest Olympics I've ever heard of. I mean, it's like it's not even happening. And this entire process needs to change. You're talking about between the Olympics in China and the World Cup in Qatar. These are two of the most corrupt organizations, never mind sports, anywhere. Bottom line. Now, speaking of corrupt, and that's, yes, that's the word I'm using, Brian Flores. My God, are, are people really going to fall for this routine again? If you don't know, class action suit against the NFL. He's suing the Giants. He's suing a couple other teams, suing the Dolphins, um, suing the Broncos. Basically says that the reason he wasn't hired for a job this time around was that he's black. He was fired because he's black. Everything's because he's black. and Everyone hates him because he's black. He's black. And if you didn't know, by the way, he is black. Yeah, okay. I, I, we get it, Brian. You know what? He was a questionable firing from the Dolphins. I'll grant you that. But some of these allegations are, I mean, just all over the place. He's accusing Stephen Ross of offering hundred grand every time he threw a game. Now, he said he never did it. Stephen Ross says he never offered it. And then you got Hugh Jackson coming out of the clouds. Remember him? He used to coach the Browns saying, no, 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 the Browns did that to me too, and I got proof. Okay, well, you know what? These are cool stories, guys. But how are they racist? What does this have to do with what color anybody is or what race anybody is? It's preposterous. It's the most, I mean, it's, it's beyond goofy. You're bringing up the Arizona Cardinals. Well, the Arizona Cardinals brought in Steve Wilkes, and they fired him, and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury's college record was this. Then his NFL record was this, and the GM was black, and then the new GM is white. How about Josh Rosen losing his job to a black quarterback? Are we going to talk about that, or that just actually just slipped your memory? What are we talking about here? This is so ridiculously childish, it's insane. I would love to know the timeline. Who contacted who and when? Brian Flores' attorneys apparently worked on the Fox News allegations against uh, Rupert, Rupert Murdoch. It's really not Fox News making allegations. It was the female anchors making allegations against Fox News and Rupert Murdoch. And they worked on the Harvey Weinstein case. So that's Me Too and that's Fox News. A little bit of a, of a political connection there. Would you not agree? Okay, well, if you don't, well, you're wrong. You should agree. The NFL has basically destroyed the concept of testing people constantly for COVID. And then a few weeks later, they're hit with a lawsuit that insists they're vicious racist. And it's filed by attorneys who are knee-deep in politics. You think that's all a coincidence? Just going back to the Arizona scenario there, that doesn't sound like an allegation that someone who really follows football or who is involved in football would make because they would realize the Kyler Murray-Josh Rosen scenario kind of blows the whole thing up. It's ridiculous. Brian Flores alleges that John Elway showed up hungover to an interview a couple years ago for their head coaching spot. Broncos came back and said, no, we flew all night because we were interviewing someone else the day before and the only window Brian Flores gave us was 7.30 a.m. in Providence. Kind of a long trip. Sorry. Travel takes a lot out of you. And even if the guy was hungover, who does this? This is just, I'm going to blow the entire thing up. I'm basically going to be a whistleblower and get patted in the back. Bill Belichick sends a congratulatory text to Brian Flores and mistakes him for Brian Dayball. And Brian Flores takes that text and publicizes it for everyone to see. This is a guy who made you a defensive coordinator, who put you in a position to be a head coach. And okay, the guy made a mistake, and maybe the Giants were leaning Brian Dayball. That happens all the time. You interview a bunch of people. That's any job. You interview a bunch of people, one person gets the job, or maybe a couple people get the job, depending on the position. But you interview a bunch of people. And if you have someone that comes into your office and you say, oh, you know what, this is dynamite, this is probably going to be the guy, you go ahead and you still interview the rest of the people because you give them a chance. 
but Brian Dayball is probably the guy they wanted the whole time. They hired the Buffalo, a guy from Buffalo as their new GM. Yeah, I mean, it really didn't take a lot to connect the dots there and see where this was headed. They have a, a quarterback they, they drafted a couple years ago. They got a running back they drafted number two in the draft. They're not getting a lot out of their offense. Hello? Yeah, an offensive coordinator made a lot of sense for the Giants. But Bill Belichick sends a text to the wrong guy, and that's some kind of smoking gun? What are you, five? Give me a breath. This is, this is so, I mean, this is dumb. He even goes after the Texans. The Texans ended up hiring Lovey Smith, and Brian Flores' lawyers insist, well, if it wasn't for Brian taking a stand against the NFL, he would have that job. Says who, you morons? Says who? There were three finalists. You acknowledge that in the same statement. There were three finalists. Why was he the no-brainer? My God, this is, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. And, and, and the obligatory, and I said this, and again, follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man. I said it the day the story broke. I said, you watch. This will be two weeks of interviews. And bam, he did like six the next day. So the Texans hired Levy Smith. So what? Guess what? He replaced David Coley. Guess who David Coley replaced? Romeo Cornell. One, two, three. Three black coaches in a row for the Texans. So what does this have to do with anything? So first, there's a racism problem. Now there's a problem for you saying that, I mean, come on. Everything's about this guy. And I know what they're doing here. This goes back to the John Gruden emails. They figure if they can name as many teams as possible, they even brought up Pete Carroll and the Seahawks for some ridiculous reason. If they can get as many teams as possible involved here, implicated here, they feel like through discovery, they'll get access to a text, they'll get access to an email that can blow this up. And some team's going to be scared and say, no, we can't do that. And he's looking to cash in. And Brian Flores, by the way, gets paid $3 million a year this year and next year by, guess who, the Miami Dolphins. There's just one thing. If he were to get hired as a coach somewhere else, that goes away. That's what happens. You're not going to get paid by two teams at the same time to do one. No, you're not, that's not going to happen. But when you have a guaranteed contract from somebody, they're going to say, okay, yeah, you know, that's, it's a five-year deal. We fired you after three. We still owe you for two more years. So this is now his new career. This is, the, again, this is a carbon copy of, of the Colin Kaepernick blueprint and looking back on Colin Kaepernick now and seeing all the people that herald him now, all the people that promote him now, all the politicians that reference him now, do you still really believe Colin Kaepernick was just doing what he was doing on his own or do you think maybe he was put up to it? Give me a break. There, there is an answer to that. This is not really, that's not really an opinion kind of a question. There is a proper answer to that. You go ahead and choose whichever one you like, but there is one proper answer. And yes, I think this Brian Flores lawsuit very likely is payback for the NFL standing up to COVID politics. The NFL made a mockery of COVID politics and the daily testing and everything. Basically with the Aaron Rodgers situation, remember when Aaron Rodgers was the worst guy ever? Then he went on Joe Rogan and then people had a problem with Joe Rogan. Then Joe Rogan brought some doctors on to say, you know what? These vaccines may not work the right way. And maybe there's other, there are other things you can do for yourself other than getting this vaccine that will help you against COVID. And next thing you know, what happened? Joe Rogan is a vicious racist. Here's a compilation of Joe Rogan saying the N-word over the years. You think those clips just magically appeared? Of course they didn't. That whole Neil Young is off of Spotify thing just didn't work out for you. Sorry. I'm sorry that happened. Who's next? Peter, Paul, and Mary? Good Lord. Let me know when the Jackson 5 pulls their material too. No one cares. So you know what the next step is? Well, Joe Rogan's a vicious racist. He must be a vicious racist. And there you go. Everybody had these clips from Joe Rogan. Everyone knew this happened. He was paraphrasing other people. He's quoting other people. The Young Turks have done it. The president of the United States, the current president, has actually done the same kind of thing. But once again, when a certain brand of politics is involved and they don't get their way, well, whoever's making them unhappy is simply a racist. It's either racist or rapist. That's just the way it goes with them.
So, no, I don't think it's far-fetched whatsoever. And again, bring yourself back to the Kaepernick situation. Knowing what you know now about Colin Kaepernick, you really think that was just a one-man show? Come on now. You got to be, be smarter than that. And I'll give you another example. How about the trucker convoy in Canada? My God, these guys are nuts. These guys are crazy. And guess what else? They're standing up to COVID. Guess what the Prime Minister of Canada calls them? Racists. Actually calls them Nazis. Referred to them as a bunch of guys waving swastikas a couple days ago. You know what happens when you, when you talk like that? When you refer to someone you don't like as a Nazi, first of all, you're a sociopath. Because you think the people that you're talking to are complete and utter morons. Not the people you're unhappy with, the people that actually like you. You think that you are so manipulative and so charming that you can just get away with anything. Anyone you don't like is either a racist or a rapist. He took it a step farther and made them into Nazis, but that doesn't make a drop of sense. That's not a little bit of sense. I know you've seen a couple Confederate flags that they're probably planted anyway, and you know what? So what? Any huge gathering is going to attract a mix of people. I really don't care. Those people, if they have shown up, have been run right out of there anyway. So one has nothing to do with the other. Like one guy from Canada said, he goes, wait a minute. I watched left-wing protests for months, and I never remember anybody taking attendance there. No one did a roll call of every single person that was at, was at these places. And those were a lot more violent than anybody else. If you don't know what's happening, a bunch of truckers from Canada are tired of COVID mandates. So what they decided to do was basically clog up the city of Ottawa. The prime minister was making fun of them. The, Justin Trudeau was basically calling them a fringe group. You know, you've heard the whole, all this before. Oh, just a fringe group, a small minority, want to do the wrong thing. He was getting on TV a few weeks ago talking about these people like they're woman haters, like they're all racists if they, don't want to get the, if they don't want to get vaccinated. I mean, the way he was talking about these guys was insane. And there's a new rule in Canada saying if you're going to be a trucker, you have to get vaccinated. And they said, well, you know what? We don't think that's okay. Here's what we're doing about it. And they have taken over basically downtown Ottawa. They've moved in on Toronto, Winnipeg, a couple of the border crossings. They've now clogged the crossing between Detroit and Canada. It's a big deal. And a lot of the news networks haven't really been covering it, but they should be covering it because it's really having an impact here. If you want to know why a lot of your politicians now are holding press conferences this week, dropping masks in schools, dropping vaccine mandates, dropping all these rules, you can thank the guys up there because they show people in the United States what can be done. And there was word of a trucker convoy coming to Washington, D.C., and that redheaded girl that gets on the podium at the White House every day who thinks that she's smarter than everybody, who thinks that she's charming, made it sound like, like Justin Trudeau did, made it sound like it wasn't really about COVID mandates. No, it's about COVID mandates. The truckers stand up to the COVID mandates, and boom, guess what? Guess what? They're all vicious racists. Are we noticing a pattern here? Okay? Are you noticing a pattern, or are you just not paying attention? Are you noticing a pattern, or are you just out of your mind? Justin Trudeau accused those truckers of stealing food from the homeless. These guys, okay, this convoy has set up portable kitchens. They've set up like makeshift, like modular housing. They've got bouncy castles. They're not stealing food from the homeless, you morons. They have food. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. But if Justin Trudeau has to make up these kind of accusations, you know what that should tell you? He's got nothing left. He's got nothing left to actually say. He doesn't have a logical argument against these guys. And I don't want to hear about the noise. Now, I will say this. The noise is obnoxious. If you're going to sit there and honk all day, it's obnoxious. But don't lecture me about noise. I was told for four months in 2020 that noise is peaceful. I was told, as a matter of fact, that broken glass was peaceful. You can rebuild a building. Remember that? Fire is peaceful. Stealing is peaceful. It's just stealing. It's just prop. It's not. That's not violence. So, hey, by your definition, these are peaceful protests. 
I and every other sane person on the planet knows that's a load of horseshit that you guys never meant to begin with. But now, as I've always said, here's a perfect example of how when the protest is on your street, suddenly it's not so funny. And a lot of people in Ottawa and I think Toronto and a lot of these places are starting to see that now. I don't know who's really going to budge first. Well, I guess we know who budged, who budged first because Justin Trudeau went into hiding for over a week. The other thing that was crazy up, up there, which should bother you, whether you support the truckers, whatever your stance is on COVID, whatever. These guys raised like $10 million through GoFundMe over the weekend. And this was like a late Friday night sort of thing. To be fair, GoFundMe is on the West Coast. So what's late here isn't quite as late there, but still pretty late. They announced that if you donated to this convoy, $9 million out of the $10 million they raised was going to be seized by GoFundMe. And if you didn't request a refund by a certain date, GoFundMe was going to put the money towards their approved charities and they would work with organizers of the convoy. But you know what their approved charities are. It's not, there's not going to be like a wide array. Looking at the, the approved charities from GoFundMe is like looking at the wine list at Applebee's. It's just not something you want to do. It's just going to be like, okay, this is all garbage. Go ahead and pick one. What's the difference? So basically, they set up a link and said, hey, here's where you can, you can ask for a refund. But here's the thing. If you donate money through, uh, what, uh, through GoFundMe, and then you ask your bank to stop payment there. It costs GoFundMe $15. And that rumor made its way around the internet. There's another uh, fundraising site that you can use called Give, Send, Go. And that's what they're now using there. And I've been on to them for you know, a couple of years now. I will not have anything to do with a fundraiser that goes through GoFundMe because I know how they act. I know what they do. But Give, Send, Go helped put that, that little nugget of information out there that, hey, listen, if you want to cost GoFundMe 15 bucks a pop, just go through your bank or your credit card company, and that's how you'll get them. And lo and behold, very soon after that, you know what GoFundMe said? Hey, guys, you don't have to hit this link. You don't have to ask for a refund. We're just going to give the $9 million back. Now, wait a second. If it's that easy, why didn't you just do that to begin with, you crooks? Oh, my God. This is what you're dealing with here. So I want you to understand something. While today you may disagree with a convoy of truckers, you may disagree with someone over COVID, you know, tomorrow it could very easily be you. And this is the attitude of some of these tech companies. GoFundMe, Facebook, Twitter. You've had these goofballs of Facebook and Twitter moderating your material now for the last two years and labeling things as misinformation. What the hell would they know about any of this stuff? But a podcast host has a couple of well-renowned doctors, including one of the guys who helped develop this vaccine technology. And that's misinformation. You're not supposed to listen to those guys. But the kids working at Facebook and Twitter, these kids could be like 22, 23 years old. No, no, that's misinformation. That's icky misinformation, dude. Got to get the vax. Got to get that boost. Triple vaxxed. Triple boosted. I mean, come on now. Give me a break. And the Ottawa police made every kind of threat they can make to these guys. These guys are like, fuck you. We're not leaving. We're going to take down plate numbers, insurance information. We're going to take down financial information. Boy. I wonder where you would have gotten financial information from. So basically, the Ottawa police is going out and gloating. And they, they actually said, we asked GoFundMe to cut off the money. So now you're going out and gloating that not only is the money being cut off, but GoFundMe is sharing financial information with the cops. On what grounds do they have the right? How on earth is that legal? So there are now a couple of states that said, listen, we're going to open up investigations into GoFundMe for fraud. And, and I'll tell you right now, Craig Carton, well-known radio host in New York City, just got done uh, with a stay in prison sometime last year. He got picked up for fraud. He was running a thing where basically he was offering people access to concerts. It was like a ticker, ticket broker kind of service. But then when people 
would give money to the business, he was taking the money and going and gambling with it. And he was not the original target of the investigation, but when the FBI saw a big name there, they said, look, let's go after this guy too. And an FBI agent got on TV, HBO did a documentary on it, which was basically a promo video for his return to the air. And an FBI agent said, if you raise money for something and then you take that money and you spend it on something else, that is fraud. Well, then how on earth is this any different? People gave money for one thing and GoFundMe is threatening to give it to another. That sounds a lot like fraud to me. And you got the police department in a capital city in Canada bragging about their role in all this. My God. And how this whole thing start? Because Justin Trudeau is, is adamant about getting as many people as possible injected with this thing. There's no possible way at this point he really believes that that is necessary. Not a chance. You could, I mean, it's written all over his face. You could tell from the beginning who the last ones were going to be. It's going to be him, the guy from France, and that woman from New Zealand. And Italy's kind of under the radar. You know why? Because the guy from Italy doesn't go on TV that much. But the guy from France, and he's been, by the way, conspicuously absent for the last couple of weeks after this has been going on. Once he got word of that convoy, he hasn't been on TV that much because he, he doesn't want to give anybody any ideas. But in France, they're going absolutely crazy over there. New Zealand, Australia. Australia's been insane. You saw that dog and pony show they pulled with Djokovic. Those are going to be the last ones. They're just going to stick to their guns. They're going to get on TV. They're going to mock people. That woman from New Zealand, out of all the weird-faced politicians in the world, hers might be the weirdest. I mean, she's an absolute goofball, just bouncing around the podium, waving her arms around. I mean, it's insane. That big, weird mouth just nodding her head with that psychotic smile on her face. People hate her. People are tired of her. And if you want to know why some of the stuff is loosening up in the U.S., like I said, it's because of what's going on in Canada. The prime minister had to go and hide, not go on vacation, hide. He tried to, he tried to pretend like he had COVID. First, it was a close contact. Then I've got COVID. Now, you know what? Boom, I'm, guys, I'm just in hiding. I'm just scared of the truckers. And by the way, they're all Nazis. No, they're not, Justin. Yes, they are. Okay. You know what? Go tell them. Go tell them yourself. I'll say this about the honking and everything else. If you are in a downtown area, you know that you're probably up against it politically with some of these people anyway, because most cities tend to be kind of liberal. But maybe the honking should stop around like nine o'clock at night, <laughs> maybe nine, 10 o'clock, just in case they have young kids. Maybe it shouldn't resume until maybe nine or 10 the next morning. I, I promise you like a couple hours of honking will do you all the good in the world. But then again, these guys have basically had their limit of following rules. They've had their limit of listening to people and being considerate. They feel like they're getting shit all over by the powers that be, and now this is what they're doing. They basically feel like, hey, drastic times, drastic measures, and here's where we're at. So I, I said an interesting Super Bowl prop would be what happens first, the truckers leave Ottawa or the Super Bowl kicks off. And now we know it's going to be the Super Bowl kicking off. There's no way these guys are going to be cleared out. They made all the threats they could. They threatened them with the cops. They threatened them with the Mounties. They threatened them with the military. The guys are not only not leaving, but there are more truckers piling in so we'll see but if you haven't noticed a theme on this show you criticize the olympics you're racist you don't want to take the vaccine yeah you're racist you have a doctor on your show okay who says the vaccine might not be the greatest thing that's ever been invented you're racist you want covid mandates to go away in canada yeah you're racist you want to run for president against hillary clinton yeah you're racist so we'll see how it plays out. I think the one thing that we know by this point, because they've tried everything up to and including calling the guys Nazis, which was never going to work anyway, they can't get those trucks out of there without the trucks just moving themselves. They could try. I mean, they could try. The only thing you're going to do at this point is some sort of military intervention with like tanks. But then how do you get the trucks out of there? You would still have a mess. The best thing is if the truckers themselves move those trucks. 
But according to the truckers, that ain't happening until one thing happens that the prime minister is dead set against. So time will tell. Anyway, let's get to the gambling. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, we have Bengals and the Rams. Rams are about a four-point favorite. And I say about a four-point favorite. It's been kind of flickering between four and four and a half. I think four and a half is actually too many, even though we, we do like the Rams in this game. But total of 48 and a half. Um, going back to championship Sunday, what I said to open the show is, is quite true. We could have two different teams in this Super Bowl. You should have the Chiefs there. Chiefs go up 21-3. to Okay, you give up a play to Samaji P. Ryan. He runs through your defense. Any defense isn't the greatest in the world, but it's 21-10. You got the ball back down to the one-yard line with like 10 seconds left. And this was the key right here. This was just a theme the entire game. Was Patrick Mahomes basically just being mentally checked out. That's the best way I can put it. He just wasn't there. You had a chance to run three plays there. You didn't get three plays in. You got two plays in because on first down, Patrick Mahomes is once again dancing around behind the line of scrimmage. That's all well and good when you have time. You don't have time. So then there's four seconds left. And between Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and, and Pat Mahomes, they come up with a wide receiver screen to Tyreek Hill. Well, wait a second. If that ball doesn't get in the end zone, the half is over. And that, that whole game and that failure and that meltdown by the Chiefs, to me, was epitomized by Patrick Mahomes standing there calling timeout with no time on the clock. And guess what? No timeouts. He's standing there calling a timeout he doesn't even have, and the clock's expired anyway. That was nuts. I mean, that was ridiculous. So now you go into halftime uh, 21 to 10. Okay, fine. Then Patrick Mahomes throws a ball basically right into the chest of a, de of a defensive lineman. That backfires on them. And then you get to the end of the game. The Chiefs are coming down the field, clearly trying to run down the clock. That's what they're doing. They don't want to give Joe Burrow the ball back because, again, like we said, the Chiefs' defense is, you know, average at best. It really is. And there were a couple times here Joe Burrow made great plays getting out of sacks. The Chiefs had a few plays in this game where they got like 95% of a sack, and Joe Burrow just, just got out of it. You could almost have seen like an in-the-grasp call, but it wasn't quite there. You know what I mean? Like he, he just made enough of a play to keep the play going. And then basically break the Chiefs' hearts. Okay, and credit to Joe Burrow. But here come the Chiefs. They're going to score. The Bengals have two timeouts. Not once, but twice. Patrick Mahomes scrambles. That's fine. And goes out of bounds. That's not. If he just stays in bounds, the Bengals would have had to burn their timeouts. And then the Chiefs wouldn't have had to worry about running the ball on first and goal and second and goal. And then on third and goal, he takes an awful sack where it actually made a field goal. Uh, that was going to be a chip shot into something like a 40-42 yarder, if I recall correctly. And then we know how overtime went. So this is a game the Chiefs should have won. Nothing against the Bengals, but you guys were down 21-3. to You should have been down at least 24-10 to at halftime, if not 28-10. to I mean, that, that's a game where the Chiefs have to deliver a knockout punch. And just, you could see it all game. Patrick Mahomes had his head somewhere else. I, I can only imagine what could be distracting Patrick Mahomes. So on another, on another show, uh, before the Bills game, I had actually talked about if the Chiefs have the level of desire to really, you know, get to the Super Bowl. Hey, listen, I'm not saying they didn't want to win that game, but when I see the effort I saw from Patrick Mahomes, and then like five, six days later, you're in Vegas with your teammates and your girlfriend and Travis Kelsey's girlfriend are doing like like mirror selfies at the W, and you're mean mugging with your guys on the field. Wait a second. Are you even bothered by what you just did to your fans? <laughs> or do you just not even give a shit? I, I kind of feel like it's closer to the second one. That's just the impression I've gotten from these guys this year. You know, Cincinnati's playing in a college football playoff game. Travis Kelsey went to Cincinnati. So two days before the first time they played the Bengals, guess where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are on New Year's Eve?
Dallas. Not with their teammates in Kansas City. Not going over film, which you don't have to work all day, all night. It's none of my business what you do. But come on, it just doesn't look like the desire is there. Hey, if, if that was the case, you definitely saw that on Championship Sunday. As for the Rams, now I'm not going to say the Rams should have lost to the Niners. I'm not saying that at all. My personal gripe with the Niners, I had team total over 20 and a half. I feel like I should have won. You had drives that went to the 42-yard line. I think there were three of them where the Niners actually ended up punting because of poor execution or just because of poor play calling. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, fourth and two. Fourth and two, you're punting. What are we doing here? Uh, let, let's call The Rams call a timeout. Let's come out and try to draw them off sides. Wait a second. What are we doing here? Are you trying to win the game? Or what are you exactly trying to do? I thought you were a big analytics guy. I thought you believed in fourth and short. Even on third and six at the 40, they run a pass play as opposed to running the ball with Debo or something and trying to set up a fourth and manageable third and six at the 40-yard line, and you end up punting after an incomplete pass. And that punt sets up the Rams at the three-yard line. All they do is go 97 yards in 18 plays. They took nine and a half minutes off the clock, and that was a killer for the Niners' defense. It was also a killer for people who had the over or any kind of team total over. You had nine and a half minutes on this 15% of the game on this one drive. So could Jimmy Garoppolo have been a little better? Yeah. But you know what? His coach could have been a little better, too. I think the defense was good enough for the Niners to get through this game. And the Rams played well. And I give credit to the Rams, too. As far as this game goes, if we look at the Bengals' playoff run to this point, why don't you just take a look at what they've actually accomplished here? You get the Raiders at home after the Raiders went to overtime on a Sunday night with the Chargers just to get into the playoffs. Okay, you win that game. Your defense really wasn't great. I mean, but you got, listen, you got a few breaks. You got a few stops. Good for you. 26-19. You go into Nashville, you get the Titans off of a bye, you get basically 80% of Derrick Henry, you get the worst version of Ryan Tannehill that he has to offer, and let's face it, Mike Vrabel and his staff were awful in that game. They were a joke. But hey, you get that win, 1916, you sneak on out of there, and then you should have been gone. Patrick Mahomes and company should have had you down 28-10 to 10 at halftime at Arrowhead. And you know what? The Chiefs did every possible thing that they could do to give away that game. That's just reality, folks. That's not really, come on now. I mean, is that really some kind of hot take? The Chiefs did everything you do in a meltdown. That's just what they did. The Rams, I think, are a different animal. Now, the home field advantage, this is where I say four and a half is too much. It's really just on principle. The home field advantage, to me, isn't worth very much for the Rams because, number one, their home field advantage isn't worth that much to begin with. They always get tons of road fans there. The Chargers probably get the worst of that. But the Rams do get a lot of people visiting from out of town. But now it's the Super Bowl. So I don't think you get all the home field out of the Super Bowl. You know, last year, Tampa made history, yada, 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 first team to host. But they didn't really get a lot of, out of the home field crowd because, really, the NFL was putting nurses in the crowd, number one. Number two, it wasn't at full capacity. So you really weren't getting all of the home field advantage that you could get. I'm sure there's a little bit of that there. You don't, you don't have to travel. That's nice. The Bengals have to travel. But the Bengals didn't have to play last week, so it's not that big of a deal. You come in a couple days early. I think they landed on Tuesday. You're there. You're not tired. It, it, it's fine. It really is fine. I don't know if they're going to put the Rams up at a hotel or what Sean McVay wants to do about that, but... Um, that's really neither here nor there. So I don't think you get the Rams with, with that much of a home field edge here. I just think with the Bengals and the slow starts they've had against the Chiefs, slow start against the uh, Titans, if that happens against the Rams here and that Rams pass rush, it's over for them. 
because that offensive line is going to have problems to begin with blocking. I promise you they're going to. And the way I look at this game, I don't know. The, the Bengals' playoff run kind of reminds me of the Bucks' playoff run last year. It's not like I have an issue with the weapons. I don't have an issue with the quarterback. But I just feel like this team has sort of tiptoed through the raindrops. Like, the Bucks probably should have lost to the Packers. The Packers somehow lose Scotty Miller right before halftime and get uh, basically a Hail Mary right, before, uh, right, right at the end of the second quarter there, which was ridiculous. Never should have happened. There were a couple other breaks in that game that Tampa got with turnovers and, and just poor decisions, in my opinion, on the part of Green Bay. The week before that, they were in New Orleans, and, and the Saints are driving. The Saints are about to go up two scores, and Jared Cook takes the ball into Tampa territory and promptly fumbles it and gives them new life. I mean, I just felt like the Bucks got the breaks, but that's what, that's what it takes sometimes to win a championship. So while I'm not going to let that deter me or scare me off of the Rams necessarily, I do have that in the back of my mind. This does kind of remind me of a team that just seemed to have everything kind of bounce their way during this playoffs. Obviously did enough, enough things to right to put themselves in positions where those good breaks could be taken advantage of, just how it is sometimes. I believe that if you get the best version of the Rams here, this is the Rams game to lose, 100%. I am not sold on that Cincinnati defense whatsoever. Now, Cincinnati decided they would drop back on Patrick Mahomes and do what the Raiders did last year. Then a lot of teams started copying where you basically rush three guys and you drop eight. Okay, fine. You know, you can do that if you want. If you're the Bengals, you can try that against the Rams. I think Sean McVay and those guys will be ready for that. Remember something. Zach Taylor came from Sean McVay's system. So you get a little bit of a of a coaching matchup here where guys are going to have some gamesmanship here, try to get inside the other guy's head. It'll be a lot of fun to see how that happens, how that kind of plays itself out early. I don't think that the Bengals can afford, as I said, to get behind here. Because if you get into a lot of known passing downs as your offensive line starts to wear down, Aaron Rodgers and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and those guys are just going to, I mean, I'm telling you, they're going to manhandle those guys up front. And quite frankly, the Niners probably would have as well. Talking to, to another guy who kind of does what I do, and he basically said a few days later, we both, you know, we both had a rough championship Sunday. Good bets can lose, bad, bad bets can win. This was a case, in my opinion, of, of good bets losing and bad bets winning on Sunday. It just happens that way sometimes. But he had a futures ticket on the Niners at like 17, 18 to 1. And he was just beside himself because he figured that they were going to manhandle the Bengals, as do I up front. I think this is the Rams game to lose. If you get anything resembling the good Matthew Stafford, and he seems to be healthy, He's had some issues this year with uh, actually a variety of injuries, including his back, which I can, as I, I can attest to, is, is a major problem. The extra week should help him. I Injury-wise, across the board, there's not a ton to talk about. I mean, Cincinnati may be without their tight end. He did leave with what looked like a nasty injury against the Chiefs, but he said he's not going to miss the game. He said he's not going to miss the biggest game of his life. We'll see. Tyler Higby's a little banged up for the uh, Rams. Uh, so does Andre Whitworth. I think those guys, it looks like, are going to play. So you don't have a ton in the way of injury impl implications here. Um, Sean McVay has been here before. Obviously, it was with Jared Goff. I believe Cooper Cup actually missed that game. So, and you were also going against Bill Belichick. And remember Brian Flores? Remember him? Yeah, those guys. So this is going to be a little bit of a different situation here. You have mentor, pupil, if you will. I mean, these guys are both young guys. They're both in their mid-30s. So, uh, you know, seems a little bit weird to be talking like that. But I just believe a good version of the Rams here. Just a decent showing, like a 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 performance by the Rams offense will absolutely be too much for Cincinnati to handle. Cincinnati hasn't really shown me this year. They can shut down a quality offensive team. So if I had to, and I'm, I'm not there yet, but I will get on something. And again, follow me on Twitter, BCAK the man. It will be up in plenty, plenty of time, I promise you. But I probably will be leaning towards the Rams here. If I had to give you a pick right now, it would be Rams minus four. Not quite there yet, but again, follow me on Twitter, BCAK the man. And we will talk about all of that 
if and when it is appropriate. I mean, the ideal situation here would be, you know, Cincinnati takes an early lead, 3 nothing, something like that. You get the Rams minus like one, one and a half, boom, make your move. That would be ideal. But I'm not sure it's going to happen that way. Not sure I want to give the Rams a chance to get out 7 nothing and never uh, never give up the lead. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. So I don't want that to happen either. So I'm not quite sure exactly which way I'm going with this. Do I wait for a live opportunity? Do I fire before the game? I would not lay four and a half at the Rams. I don't think four and a half will last. It's been up there. It's back down to four. If it gets out to four and a half again, I don't think it's going anywhere near five. I, I think there's going to be enough of the public that is going to look at Joe Burrow and say that, you know, he is a quarterback of destiny. This is a team of destiny. He's the popular pick. A lot of guys like him. They like Jamar Chase for good reason. They're both great. So I, I think that as we get closer to the game, this is going to hover around four. It might get to three and a half at some point. It might get to four and a half at some point. Are a bunch of people going to get drunk on game day and just, you know, be taken over by Joe Burrow fever and this gets down to the Rams minus three? I don't know about all that because I, I do think some people are going to be, I just think some people are going to read a little bit more than they should into the fact that the Rams are playing at home. I mean, it's really not going to be. I, I just don't think it's going to be that much of a home game. There'll be a lot of Hollywood there. The prices of these tickets, by the way, are insane. Why would you see? Here's how I look at it. Like living in New Jersey, I'm not flying over top of Vegas and not stopping just so I can get to L.A. Not with what's going on in L.A. lately. I mean, the, the, the NFL had to have a backup plan because of what's going on in this city with crime and with COVID restrictions and everything else. They're going to get the game in, but I don't care. They're passing out masks. It's crazy. It doesn't matter. Tickets are through the roof. Everybody wants to get into that stadium, I guess, or just a lot of people with a ton of money want to get in that stadium. Uh, maybe Cincinnati fans are coming out of their pockets because it's been so long. I don't know, but the tickets are out of control. But my point is, it's not going to be like a Rams crowd. It's not going to be like a sea of blue and gold. It's not like that for a regular season game. It's certainly not going to be like that for the Super Bowl. So I think the, the line's going to teeter between three and a half, four and a half. As far as the total goes, I can see these teams going back and forth a little bit, but how does the game open up? The the Bengals have gotten off to some very slow starts so far. Plus, with these two coaches kind of engaged in some sort of chess match, does Zach Taylor say, "Listen, we're going to come out early and often throwing the ball. We're not going to we're not going to give the Rams a chance to jump out on us because I know what happens if we get behind this team with their pass rush." I'm not quite sure how exactly this is going to play out. Quite honestly, if you're looking at the over here at, at 48 and a half, I think what I would do. I know this is tough to do because it's the Super Bowl, right? It's like like Championship Sunday did not go my way, did not go the, go the way of a lot of professionals. That's fine. That's just how it works. It's not a big deal. I mean, it, it is, but it's not. But because it's Championship Sunday and you only got one game left, you feel like, oh, my God, we lost twice. What are we going to do? This is Hey, listen, it's just, it's just part of the deal. You got to deal with it. On Super Bowl Sunday, everyone feels like they want to get their swings in. They just, I mean, they props all over the place. You got the fools that bet the coin toss the whole nine yards, okay? No offense if you bet the coin toss, but it's a coin toss. Give me a break. So, uh, this may be easier said than done, but if you're looking to bet the total and you're looking to take the over, I probably would look at it like this. This is what I would do if this were a normal game. I would hold off on betting it before the game, wait for the first couple drives to take some, some time off the clock, and try to get it at like 44 and a half or better. That's what I would try to do, even 45. I know some people think this could turn into a track meet, especially with what you saw at the end of the, the Rams-Bucks game, especially with Jamar Chase. Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, you think the ball's going to be going back and forth? I understand all that. This will be one of the toughest tests in terms of an opposing defense that the Bengals have faced the entire year. This will be the toughest test, I believe, of the entire postseason. They have not exactly impressed from gate to wire in these games. And again, 
I think this could be a tough matchup for this offensive line, which could be could make it into a tough day for Joe Burrow. So I would hold off on that over. That's just me personally. You want to go ahead and fire away, say the hell with it. I'm getting wasted over 48 and a half, over 49, whatever's out there, I'll take it. You go right ahead. It's probably going to go up before the game. That would be my guess. The public is probably going to puff this up to close to 50 before the game starts. I personally wouldn't feel comfortable with that, but 45... Something like that, 44 and a half. Ah, you know what? That might be more up my alley. Again, check with me on Twitter at BCAK the man. Everything that I have before the game will be up there. If I do anything live, that will be there as well during the game. And with that, that is all the time we got this week on the Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash the Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man. And remember, the Air Attack with BC the man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with Mozzini. I'm a hustler. I am BC the man. Join the Super Bowl, guys. We'll see you next week on the Air Attack. Tell me how to whip in the pot, everything I could come back straight drop. Nigga can't tell me about who's hot. You say he did, I think she's not. Nigga can't tell me about no bitch, about no hoe, about no strap, about my team, the DME, about no bread, about no bag. Nigga can't tell me how to hit no licks. Cause if you snooze, then nigga know the rules, I'ma hit you off smooth. Play it off cool. Nigga come tell me how nigga move. Nigga come tell me about no brain. Nigga come tell me about no fame. Nigga come tell me about no pills. Nigga come tell me about no lane. Nigga can't tell me Mozini ain't good, nigga can't say Mozini ain't hood, nigga can't say Mozini don't fit, nigga can't say Mozini can't spit, bitch I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, Hey nigga in the streets know about me, nigga I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, on the road with the strong, no room for the weak, nigga I'm a hustler, a hustler, I grind on get no sleep, 24-7 on all my feet, that's how I live, that's the code in the streets, nigga I'm a
mind all of my money, so much money on my mind. You think they had a hit out on me? I be posted up on that block, all black with that big gap. Rocks all in my mouth, I guess that's one reason I spit crack. I grind hard with a slug with me, far as traffic can't fuck with me. Prices of the boppers like my hat now. 150, keep no drugs in my domain, that's old game, Atari. Far as cocaine, my tip drip like we was having a party. Boy, that's gangways and alleys. Trap house a weed spot, your tip slow. I come through and I pump it up. Kitchen no apron on my own chef. I cook it, I pull it out and I break it down like some pepper. I push it. That's that white girl and that boy. That stick water, that lean. Them X pills, that Reggie Miller, that granddaddy, them trees. I got Jackson's all in my hands. Franklin's all in my jeans. For them dead men, my dogs mob like most in the beats. Bitch, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind, I don't get no sleep. 24-7 on both my feet. Hey, nigga, in the streets know about me. Nigga, I'm a hustler. I grind, I don't get no sleep. 24 7 on all my feet. On the road with the strong, no room for the weak. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. I grind, I don't get no sleep. 24 7 on all my feet. That's how I live, that's the code of the streets. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler. Nigga, I'm a hustler, a hustler.